podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Everton nil, Liverpool nil in the Premier League from Goodison Park are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Um, it's hard not to make big definitive statements after a thing like that. Um, it's hard not to say that the dream of uh, another title challenge, if not title win, seems kind of laughable. Um, and, you know, maybe that's okay. I don't know. How are you feeling in the wake of that in terms of the bigger picture, Dave? Because, yeah, we'll get into the, the match today, but there are now six points gone from nine. Is that right? Six points gone? No, Sorry, nine points gone from six. Uh, nine points gone from six games. It, it, it's it, it's 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 borderline untenable. I'm not a lad who runs away from a challenge. I want us to be in it till it's mathematically impossible. But I don't like the way this is going. The pattern's kind of uh, unfortunate so far. Well, that was an absolute shit show. Now there was a point on Thursday as I lay in a hospital bed that I thought I might not actually be able to to do this game. So I thought I was going to have to watch the game on my phone in the hospital. So my thinking was Liverpool-Everton or I could watch Celtic Rangers and just not give a fuck. Now, Celtic at least have won convincingly today and I had that game on the second screen. So combine the fact that I did get to see Celtic hammer Rangers and the fact that I am full of painkillers and oblivious to everything means I'm not as pissed off as I probably would be normally. But that was a horrendous performance from from start to finish. I, I think Jürgen got pretty much all the big calls wrong today, um, which isn't the first time this season. I thought the players looked very sluggish and lacked intensity. Now, I don't know, know whether uh, Pep and Linders stole all the intensity to put into book form and flog it on Amazon. But there's something amiss with this team this year. There's something very, very wrong with this team this year. And we've made these tactical tweaks and they haven't worked. And I know everybody's in love with Harvey Elliott as a right-sided eight, and he has been good this season. But that trio of Trent, Harvey and Mo is not working. It is not working at all. And whatever or whoever has come up with the tactical idea that the best use of Mo Salah is to play him as a chalk on his boots winger needs to be released from the club immediately because it's the most fucking mind-numbingly stupid thing I've ever seen. Salah didn't have a touch in the penalty box in the entire first half. Our most potent goal scorer is playing as a facilitator out wide. 
and is basically making dummy runs so that Harvey Elliott can drive through in that inside right channel, which is where we would want Mo. Now, nothing against Harvey. Again, he's had a really good start to the season. Uh, Carl said recently he thought he'd probably been our best player, and I think that's probably accurate. But I think it's coming potentially at the detriment of both Trent and of Mo, who I think are both much better when Naby plays that role. I understand Naby's injured at the minute, but maybe then the answer is to do something else. Maybe the answer is to change the shape. He went to 4-2-3-1 at half time, which definitely improved things. And we were all over them. And then he made the most ridiculous substitution that he possibly could have. And he brought James Milner on to play at right back. And they have two pacey wingers. And James Milner got absolutely destroyed destroyed that was a disgraceful cameo at right back like no disrespect to the fella i get that he's a grafter and i get that people like him and i get that there's all this bullshit about him setting the standards he doesn't set the standards great players set the standards not not average ones at this point james milner should be doing one of three things he should be sitting in a bt sports studio providing no insight as a pundit like all his fellow ex-pros he should be handing out the cones and bibs at Leeds as the player coach who plays once in a blue moon or he should be playing lower league football because he's not good enough to play at this level anymore and he hasn't been for a while and that's the fact of it he's just not good enough to play at this level and he went at right back they torched him four different times he got beaten today and if that goal had counted the Cody one that would have been on him because it was him failing to break up a counter-attack that started that, or not even failing to break up, just not even trying to break it up. Flung himself on the ground like he did at Old Trafford a few weeks ago. That led to the whole beginning of it, and then he's asleep at the back post when the ball comes across to Mope. He goes into midfield then, because Klopp has to make another change, because the Milner one's been such a disaster, and he goes into midfield and does nothing other than run around aimlessly. Whereas what Klopp could have done if he wanted to get Trent off, was put Matip at centre-back and Gomez at right-back and then bring Arthur on in midfield, who might at least offer something resembling midfield play. But every big decision Jürgen had tonight, I thought today, I think he got wrong. I think that's a huge part of the story. And Carl, to bring you in, um, another huge part of the story is that, yeah, we can absolutely look at the... Uh, managerial decisions, we can look at the substitutions, we can look at the uh, quality of the people who took the field in those substitutions. But again, it's a matter, in my opinion, if we look at the at the performances levels across the, the board, we can say that it doesn't suit uh, Trent or Mo, like Dave says, um, necessarily. Um, but whether it's a matter of being um, marooned uh, in Mo's case or whatever, that Trent can't make that argument necessarily in terms of his involvement. And I just felt yet again, he was subpar. Um, Mo's involvement, such as it was, only was sporadic and sporadic in quality as well. Uh, you'd, ha- you'd have to say across the team uh, that there was a, a sort of a, a lack of tremendous uh, c- contributions. Again, I think Fabinho did uh, yeoman service to the team again I thought Diaz was bright I would say Darwin Nunes struggled a little bit again but again it does come back full circle 
to what exactly is this? What are we supposed to be doing here? It looks so disjointed. It looks so unnatural. It was only when Bobby Firmino came on that we looked like we had any sort of uh, connector, uh, connective tissue between the various parts of the team. Uh, that's, that should be a cliche. And yet, sadly, it's not because the other way of working was not working. No, there's an awful lot missing from this at the minute. And I, I mean, tactically, we can look at things and say that it takes time to embed new ideas and all the rest of it. But you also have to appreciate that there's not really a lot of time to get things right and wrong in this league if you want to be competitive in it. And you know, we're supposed to obviously do that kind of thing in pre-season. If it isn't working a few games in, we've been pragmatic enough previously in previous seasons to go back to what we've done before. Uh, and wait till we've got obviously a few more people either in form or in key areas to try and do what we're doing and and then try and make those changes again later on uh, during the season. We don't seem to be doing that yet this year. And I do think that it's very, very difficult for Liverpool to get their key players in the right areas of the pitch if you're not playing quickly. And at the minute, one thing we've not been this season at all is quick, uh, not in not in transition play, not in even just general open play passing. I mean, how slowly did so much of that passing across the back line take place today? I thought at first maybe that was maybe just trying to quiet the crowd down or whatever it is, just, but we had the possession. We just didn't do anything with it. It went across the back line at such a slow pace that there was no moving around of Everton's players, right? That's, that's why you play basically across the back line is to change the angle of play, make Everton or the opposition's players change their standing position and then you might generate a few more spaces between players to pass the ball. That was being done so slowly that that never happened. And it wasn't just the defenders. I mean, it's the people ahead of them not making the runs, obviously. Fabinho, I think, in the first half, in possession, was was guilty of going very, very slowly and very, very backwards quite a lot of the time, uh, slowing down the play the few times that we did try and improve it. Individually, I think you're spot on in a couple of them that you mentioned. Trent, I thought, was really poor today. Like The, the fizzed passes that we like to see from him so often are just not happening at the moment. The lofted balls are aimless at times. He did a couple of... Henderson-esque hoofs up into the sky, which were very, very easy to pick for to just jump up and claim. Um, it was quite poor all round. And even like a few players like Diaz, to be honest, I think that's one of the most disappointing matches he's had for us in terms of his um, decision-making on the ball and his execution of passes. I think he wasted quite a lot of overlapping opportunities and that kind of thing. He was involved. He was involved a lot more than, say, Salah was in, in higher areas of the pitch, but he didn't really pick the right choices or anything. It's just... There's a lot missing at the moment, on the ball and off the ball. The speed of play, the the combinations in the final third are almost non-existent at the moment. Um, I mean, the Trent, Elliott, Salah triangle that we've spoken about loads of times used to be really, really good. At the start of last season, it was superb. It was being done in a very different way. Salah was inside. Salah was much nearer the goal. Elliott was overlapping on the outside. Trent was then able to come into that eight zone, and a lot of it is changed around at the minute. I'm not really There's sure. There's no control what the of the field, is. though, Karen. No, there Yeah, a lot of that is to do with the right players not being there, but you cannot be just reliant on an entire way of playing on just a couple of players. But we are, Otherwise, though. That's the thing. Yeah, We're so yeah, reliant saying, on Thiago. Yeah, and since he got I hurt, we've had two games of Milner there, and he was crap in both of them. Two games of Henderson there. He was okay against Bournemouth, and he was an abomination against Newcastle. And now Carvalho, who's just not a midfielder. But you mentioned Diaz. Why the fuck was he playing centre-forward for 25 minutes in the first half? Why was so Fernandez stood on the left wing? That's such a weird call right from the start. 
And it was yeah, so that, obvious. I think, I think the only thing we were trying to do there is maybe get some like big diagonal plays and match him up against Patson or something like that. It didn't yeah, add anything at all to the build up play. I know, but that's what it's we've done before, isn't it? It, it doesn't it doesn't matter who is playing there. We go left for the big diagonal switches. That's what we've always done, even from kickoff. I don't think it's ever to do with who is on their team over that side. It's just to do with who which way we play. And that's the only reason I can fathom that we've we did that, because we have done it before quite a lot of times. It, it doesn't really seem to do an awful lot. It doesn't confuse them. It doesn't really generate anything for us most of the time. Uh, but that's the only reason that I can fathom that we did that. Because even now, with like Mane's gone, obviously he hasn't been playing left side for us for a while. We're still doing that from kickoff. We still go straight over to the left-hand side. And I, don't know, I, I think that there's quite a lot missing in this team at the moment from where from where we recognise it being most of the time. And to be to be brutally honest, forget the title, right? Because even aside from you know Man City being better than they were last season, or if they're not, or if there's a, a bit more to play around in terms of points and that, at the very least, you're going to be needing 95 points this season. That's the average at the moment, even if City don't have quite an elite year, which means that we can drop 19 points and we've already dropped nine. That's 47 points of the points we can drop in the first six games of the season. So just forget about that for now. It's not an important... Um, it's not an important factor in where we are at this moment but in time. The thing is, I keep I see people trying to like rationalise this. Oh, it's a transition season. It's the biggest pile of shit I've ever heard. We've got a world class keeper, the best centre back on the planet, a great holding midfielder, one of the best forward players in the world, and one of the best controlling midfielders in the world in their primes. And people are saying, "Oh, transition season." It's the new buzzword. It's the new bullshit. It's not a transition season. We've just shit the bed. We failed in the summer transfer window. That is the be-all and the end-all of it. We've left ourselves short. We needed two midfielders going into the summer. This is not in hindsight because I was saying this back in March and April. We needed two midfielders. We left ourselves one short last year or two short this year. And because of one injury to Thiago, our team doesn't function properly. Now, there are other issues, the lack of intensity, the lack of uh, communication, the lack of concentration. But the fact of it is, our transfer window was a failure. And we are now paying the price for that and have done since Thiago went down against Fulham. And like, let's be honest, even in that game, we were shit. We've played well once this season. And it was against a team that, if they get more than 25 points this season, I'll be stunned. They're garbage. There's a team we played today who will be one of the favourites to get relegated. And we made them look competent. They're awful. So a question for both of you before we get stuck into the uh, details of the match. And you know what? I have a feeling that we should treat some of that with comparative disdain and blitz through them, to be honest. Because there are bigger questions <clears throat> here that Liverpool fans are going to be asking themselves. And the one that's arising here, you've you've both said it in different ways. I said it in my intro. So uh, what is the answer to the question of there seems to be something awry? Because I, 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 is it is it as simple as saying, I, I don't mean simple in a, in, a, in, a, in a derogatory way, but is it as straightforward as we have an area, a key crucial area of the team, which is not functional and therefore we get to see things like unusually sloppy performances at the back and unusually um, fitful performances at the front. 
I'm going to say it depends on what area of the team you're talking about, mate, because the defense is not playing as it should, the midfield's not playing as it should, and the attack is not playing as it should. Right, right. So this, this is what, right. So you're right on where I want you to be. Uh, an awful lot of people will funnel all their attention towards the fact that we did not do the recruitment the right way. So therefore, our midfield doesn't function. Therefore, nothing functions. But I don't know if it's that straightforward because there are low, there are there are poor performances across the board. And it's seems- there is, but the forwards of the forward players have been asked to do too much because they're getting nothing from midfield. The defense is being left exposed because the midfield is wide open, game after game after game, like. We have relied on our attack and our defence for years to carry largely substandard midfields. That's just how it has been. We won the title in the European Cup with a substandard midfield, with one great player, one important player and one average player in our midfield three. And you just can't rely on a front three, especially one that's now changed so much, and a defence to continually carry the load when others are not doing their jobs. Like, it's one thing when your midfield is just functional. That was the buzzword for the midfield for a couple of years. Oh, it's a functional midfield. Klopp likes a functional midfield, which is completely untrue if you look at his Dortmund teams that had the likes of Nuri Sahin and Ilkay Gundogan in them. They're not functional players. They're inventors. They're creators and connectors. But now, like, we've changed how we play. We've become much more of a control-based team. And everything relies on us having that control. But that control doesn't exist because one player got injured. We've built a system or we've, we've created a system within our old system that is so reliant on a fella who plays about 27 games a season. And we play 60 yeah, it's pretty stark when you play when you when you when you phrase it like that. And let's use that as a perfect segue into the beginning of of our match analysis, and let's use it as a segue in the way that we talk about this system of ours. Because I, among others, were sort of musing about how it might be very interesting and kind of exciting to see uh, Jurgen do something a bit brave in the uh, selection process on high on the back of what Fabio Carvalho had done uh, and see would it would there be a future in the two uh, younger lads with Fabinho uh, now truthfully when you look at the subs bench um, there's not a whole lot of things that he could have done different but I think most people were fully expecting James Miller would start as one of the eights and that it would be Miller and Elliot and Fab, it wasn't. It was Milner. It was uh, Elliot and uh, Carvalho and Fabinho. Um, we went with um, Darwin Nunez coming in for a Bobby Firmino who could be rightly offended at being dropped. And we had Simicus taking the place of Andy Robertson. Already there, there's a couple of big shouts by the manager. Um, and you'd like to say, well, that's ballsy or there's reasons for that and let's see if it works out. Now, based on the first half, I don't think you could say that they worked out necessarily. Let's start there, Dave, with the selection because I have a feeling you're going to have something to say around about that selection. But we are kind of in that difficult situation of like, 
what would you have suggested? Does he, he can't really throw in Arthur from match one, can he? Or can he go with, uh, I, I think you look at the bench there. I, t- I thought Curtis Jones was supposed to be there. I don't see him. So it's, it, there, there are very limited choices. What might he have done differently? I thought if Curtis was fit, he would have started and maybe he would have, but obviously he's still not quite right. Um, I had initially thought that Matip should come back in because I do think Gomez has just looked a little bit, a little bit rusty. Not in any way his fault. The guy barely played any football for the better part of two years, so it's expected. But then when you look at how Everton are playing, there's a lot of pace in wide areas, so you do want Joe inside Trent being able to cover if Gordon or Damari Gray is out on that left wing for Everton because of Joe's recovery pace. So. I was a bit surprised he he brought in Costas. Not that Robbo has played at all well this season, but when you're making other changes like he did, I do feel like Robbo's experience and the continuity he has with Virgil might have helped a little bit more. Look, everybody was very excited about the idea of Harvey and, and Fabio, but I've been saying since we signed the kid, He's not a midfielder. Fabio Carvalho is not a midfielder. He's an attacker. At Fulham, he played as a 10 or a second striker or sometimes on the left wing in a 4-2-3-1. Fulham played 4-3-3 three times last season. He wasn't in the squad for any of those games. This idea, this notion that he was playing left side of a midfield three isn't true. He was moving from the number 10 spot into like the left half space and creating triangles with Anthony Robertson overlapping and Cabano the left wing. But he was doing it in really advanced positions and he was doing it with two grafters in behind him and Harrison Reed and Tom Kearney or Harrison Reed and Nathaniel Chalobah. Two lads that will run all day, win the ball back. And again, it's the championship, so it's not exactly the same level. He's never played as an eight in a real game from the start, ever. Not in his life as a senior footballer. So to do that was risky. To play him in the left-sided role is just, it's foolish. Like, he played there against United in pre-season and we got destroyed. We got absolutely carved open and destroyed. And I know he came on there against, or he came on against Bournemouth as the right-sided eight, and he came on against Newcastle as an eight. But, they're very different game states. One, we're 5 nil up, so it doesn't really matter. And the other, we're chasing the game. So you're just throwing attacking players onto the pitch. And remember, he did go in and finish the game playing in the front three as well. So people have been trying to include him among the midfielders while trying to make the argument that we didn't need a midfielder this summer. That ridiculous argument of, oh, well, we have eight or nine midfielders when well, and in theory, we have three that can play. Their manager has told them repeatedly in press conferences that Fabio Carvalho is a midfielder as well, for the record. Yeah. Yeah. But Klopp also came out and said he could play as a false nine, which he can't. So, like, Jürgen comes out with all manner of nonsense. Jürgen came out and said that, um, what's the kid's name? Tyler Morton was an incredible eight because of a couple of training sessions. Like, Jürgen bigs players up because that's what Jürgen does. It doesn't mean what he says is true. It doesn't even mean what he says he believes himself. Fabio's not a midfielder. He's an attacking player. And he was completely out of his depth in there today. 
He's playing far too high for what we need that role to be. Carl talked earlier about that slow passing across our back line. The reason they were doing that is because there was nobody to pass the ball to. Because Fabinho was getting swallowed up and Harvey and Fabio were playing way too high and couldn't receive the ball. We were basically playing four at the back, Fabinho, and then four behind Darwin. It just didn't work at all at any stage. Yeah. So I get that people were excited to see it. And look, when I saw it, I thought, look, look, he's going all out attack. And then I saw their team, and they've got a back four on the pitch with Connor Cody, and I'm thinking, Jesus, this is here for us to go and destroy these. Because you've got a Wobie who doesn't track runners. You've got Tom Davies, who you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And Onana, who's a really young, inexperienced player, as they're six. We'll be able to get behind them in our patterns of play and our build-up and run off the back of that midfield. And we'll just we'll destroy that back line. Because Cody's slow, Tarkovsky's slow, Patterson's not a particularly good defensive player, and Michael Enko's a centre-back playing left-back. And instead, we've made that back line that we should have been tearing apart look like Tassotti, Baresi, Costa, Curta and Maldini. Indeed. And that's because of us. And I think there's a very, very, very interesting point. I'll take this across to Carl with our colleague Dan Kennett tweeting at the moment. Um using a very appropriate phrase given the topic of the conversation so far the lfc identity crisis continues i like that that's exactly where we're what are we um he reckons we didn't deserve more than a point but there were so many problems he reckons the biggest for dan was physical condition of the squad and lack of intensity now here we go backing it up with some numbers lfc have been outrun in every single match and this is what dave was saying Every single match this season, LFC have been outrun. Minimum of 1.7 kilometers fewer than the opponents. Maximum of seven kilometers fewer than the opponents. Averaging out around about three and a half kilometers per match less running. Now, right there is the heart, the nub of your identity crisis. Because, Carl, as Dave said, the excitement levels would have been based around the fact that you've got a few grocks in that center half situation who can do well if you keep pinging stupid high balls at them and give them um, the the game they want to play. You've got a few lads in midfield who wouldn't like it if you got at them. And yet, that's exactly what we failed to do. And it comes down to what the manager was trying to single out before, ahead of our big win, the idea of effort. And there it is in hard stats. It, 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 can you match? Can you can you um, measure effort any better than than um, you know your your commitment to taking steps forward or backwards or sideways for the team? It's an interesting one, Carl, and it kind of helps us understand this identity crisis a little bit. Your take on the Liverpool lineup before I start with you on um, the Everton setup. Um, so very quickly on on, on the running uh, first. I mean, we've we've seen and we can see very very clearly game to game that the the effort and the work rate and the closing down those those things that which you would just see as as standard. Like even if you didn't look at the overall gameplay, you could see that compared to at our best last season to uh, right now and, and basically through the whole of the start of this season, we're not closing down very much from the front, and therefore the number eights in the midfield are not as close upfield, and and the fullbacks are therefore not as high upfield as well. So we're not getting through that extra work that we usually do. I mean, how many chances have we created this season 
by winning the ball back and then playing one or two passes in the final third. I, I cannot think of very, very many at all. There have been a couple, but nowhere near the normal level. Running as a whole, obviously, you can not always take um, as, as the bog standard because if you do have more possession and you're using the ball well, you do make the opposition run more. So by itself, that's not the only thing to look at, but I would be really, really keen to see the uh, intensive sprints again from today because normally we are top three in the league all the time for those, for intense movements, for, for sprints over short distances, all that kind of thing. But this season, we've been down in the bottom three. That's where you can see that we're not doing what we normally do. Um, so obviously, like I said, we, we've come straight onto this podcast after full time, not seen them yet. Wouldn't be surprised if they were pretty dismal looking again today. Um, for the team, um, I did scout up with Guy this week, obviously with Dave um, unavailable and recovering from his own injury. Um, Sumikas, I was fully on board with coming in, to be honest. I said one change in defence for this game and one for the midweek game, because we are going to have to start rotating a little bit more now with games every three and four days. And Robertson, to be honest, has been fairly diabolical this season. So I didn't have a problem with Simikas coming in, even though he hasn't won a place in the team um, from, from his own performance levels. But it definitely was not up for starting Carvalho in this one. This had to be Milner. It had to be Milner for just getting him to sit, basically, and free and Elliot a little bit more to to go into those attacking roles. I was surprised Nunez came back in as well. Um, I know about... Firmino obviously not being able to start game after game after game, but maybe playing him in the first 60 rather than the last 30 would have been my preferred way to do this. At least he's in form. He's obviously doing bits in front of goal again in the final third. I think it was pretty clear that our build-up play was a lot better once he was involved in the game as well. Um, so a, a few surprising things, but most of all was the Carvalho. You, you can't start Carvalho and Elliot together. You can have one or the other. The only way that they should be in the same lineup at the minute, as I said uh, to Guy, is if one of them is in the forward line, you know, if you've got Carvalho on the left-hand side or so. But together at the moment is silly. Carvalho has not played a midfield role for us yet. He was yeah. not in midfield today because he wasn't there. And the games that he has come on, he's obviously been really, really high upfield, like in the penalty box. You can't start the game, especially a derby match, with your main function being to run from the eight into the penalty area. That's not what it is. Agree 100%. And I'd be inclined to accuse Klopp of hubris if it wasn't for the fact that I was one of the people who were floating the idea around of will we do this? And that just shows the disrespect I have quietly in my head for Everton. Let's talk about Everton. They started today with Pickford. They had Patterson, Cody, Tarkovsky, Mikalenko, Davies, Onana, Iwobi, uh, and then they had Mope, Gray and Gordon. Um, their intensity, um, which Frank Lampard was referring to afterwards, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was trolling the shit out of us with the word, uh, was very high. Uh, they just uh, came uh, correct today. Uh, on the bench, they had Keane, Alan, they had McNeil and Begovic, Coleman, Gay, uh, Ruben Vinagra and Rondon and Mills. And um, you look at the squad and uh, Lampard professes to be very, very happy with it. Um, and you can see how they could certainly put a run together um, where they'd continue in this vein. Um, anything that surprised you in how they lined up, Carl? No, not at all. More pay in to start. He would have done in the last game if he had have had, um, obviously, the clearance and everything sort of registered in time. So... Wasn't surprised to see him come in because they've lacked a bit of structure and attack with the games where they've had to play either Gordon or uh, Gray as the centre forward there. Um, the rest of it pretty much as expected. I, we did think that they would stick with the four just by how teams have been defending against us and frustrating us um, in the early parts of the season. 
That midfield is is a curious one because they are all effectively box to box players now. Iwobi haven't dropped into that role this season, and I think he's been one of their best players this term. I said that on the on the scout, and I think he was decent today in terms of moving uh, from one role to the other. Not necessarily so much in possession, but that's not really what Everton's game was about in possession today, anyway. Uh, so no surprises overall. We should have beaten it. Look at the names. Look at the team. Look at the setup. We should have beat. It is, doesn't matter. Pickford's had a good game. Fine. He's made some good saves, but it doesn't matter. You have to beat that eleven, which is there. Couldn't agree more. I think you have to. And, and Dave, let me give you your take on them and their setup and Frankie Lampard and all the rest of it before we start the details of the match together. Yeah, I mean, look, we know Frank is Frank is not a good manager at all. But what he has been able to do is he's been able to get the players to work hard. And, I mean, that defence, we should be absolutely destroying that defence. That midfield, as Carl said, they're all primarily box-to-box players. Uh, Onana has played as a six at Lille a bit, but he always played there next to another sitting midfielder. So he still had his freedom to get forward. And we saw him get forward a bunch today. And, you know, we couldn't counter for because we didn't have a midfield of our own to pass the ball to and then use them as conduits to get the ball forward. Um, Neil Mopay fits in really well at Everton, doesn't he? I mean, oh yeah, he, he's high on the on the, the Pickford meter as just like a proper 9 out of 10 prick. Um, so, you know, congrats to him on finally finding a club suited to his own brand of being a dickhead. Um, Anthony Gordon, somebody needs to grab hold of him and shave his head. Like that, this needs to happen with the utmost importance before another metal girder is placed at the dock for the new stadium. The priority for that club has got to be getting a set of shears and taking the baronet off that fella because it's an abomination. And how can I, before I know we'll get into the game, but how he didn't get booked today, I don't know. Because he committed four or five fouls in the first half, you, and the you one do on Simicus was an eight was an aim to hurt. The yeah, you do know. Ant- Anthony Taylor is the answer to that question. Yeah, he's a prick as well. Anthony fucking Taylor is the answer to that question. Um, an absolute ham of a gossip. And it's time for us to start the details of the match because we will come across all those incidents like the one you just mentioned uh, as we go through them. In fairness to the Reds, it was pretty much all us for the first five minutes or so. Um, they did have a counter attack around about the fifth minute mark where Mopay and Onana launched uh, their uh, th- th- them forward um, to no avail. On seven minutes, there was a Harvey Elliott uh, attempted pass intercepted. Gordon and uh, then Gray and then Mopay rolls a ball right across the face of the goal. Um, it's a classic Derby sort of uh, wake up moment, um, you would think. On 18, uh, Trent dug out a great ball to the back post. And just notice, by the way, the amount of time that's elapsed there from 7 to 18 without anything of note happening because it was one of those games. Uh, he was It was difficult to get to. He got to the byline, dug out a great ball to the back post. Darwin's coming at it in that kind of um, similar space to where um, uh, the Fulham lad, I can't think of his name, who scored against uh, two against us. Mitrovic uh, was, uh, yeah, where he scored his goal against us. And... Um, we uh, we we watched as he didn't get his header right at the back post. Uh, he should probably do better there. Uh, 
we start to get sloppy at this point of the game. Um, notable sloppiness from players of great quality like Fab, like Trent, like Harvey, like Darwin. Uh, on 22 minutes after a corner, the ball broke to Gordon. He hit a bit of a rasper off a low drive, but Ali's down and it's very much straight at him. Uh, and of course, he's safe hand, so it doesn't spill. 26 minutes. Simicus has a free in uh, after Gordon pretty much assaults him. Uh, just give you an opportunity to take this up, Dave, in a second. Um, and the ball almost, this free kick almost gets as far as Luis Diaz on the far side. Um, it hits off uh, the two-man wall, by the way, which Anthony Gordon has neglected to push back. They just kept crawling and crawling. And actually, I blame the free kick taker um, who allowed... Who took the free kick with that Everton two-man wall encroaching? They were no more than five yards away when he took the free kick. It's ridiculous. It's it's frankly it's unprofessional. Anyway, he does. It takes a deflection, and um, if it hadn't, perhaps it would have ended up at Luis Diaz's feet. It doesn't, and it doesn't. We'll stop there. That's around about the half-hour mark, Dave. Your thoughts on that opening chunk of the game? Um. Yeah, like you said, we started the first five or six minutes quite well. And then I think they realized how easy it was going to be to play through us because we were only playing with Fabinho in midfield and a front five. So they were able to just bypass our front five on their attacks, get the ball to their wingers, and then just outrun us because... Awobi, Onana and Davies, the one thing those boys can do is they can run and they can run with power. So they were able to get those lads ahead of Fabio and ahead of uh, Harvey going towards our goal. And it created a couple of iffy moments for us. And, you know, Gordon looked bright and Gray looked bright. And Mopey, despite being a complete prick, is a good footballer and he does make intelligent runs and he knows where he needs to be. Um, He has obviously played as a lone striker at Brighton the last couple of years and, and that's been a big help to him in his development. He'll never be a great, a big-time goal scorer, but he is a hard worker. He's a clever player and he's got good movement. And we just seemed really surprised by the fact that these lads were going to come and have, were going to, you know, have a go at us. It, it almost seemed like it was a bit of a shock to some of our players that they weren't just going to roll over like the way Bournemouth had done. So, you know, then we started to have problems trying to get the ball out of our defence into midfield and beyond because there was no connectors there at all. And they, to be fair, there was a spell in the game where I thought they were looking the better team. They looked more organised defensively. Their midfield looked like it had a structure. Their attack looked like they had at least an idea of what they were meant to be doing, which is quite unlike a Frank Lampard coach team. Um they just look more powerful than us. They're they very just, direct, aren't they? they can, yeah, very direct, they very, very direct, very quick. Yeah, you know, lots of pace and power in that team, and uh, and we just we just didn't we had pace, but we didn't have any power in the team, and um, yeah, they, in this spell that we're talking about now, this is when Klopp decided to stick Darwin out in the left wing, and he had a couple of nice touches where he brought the ball down and. You know, he fed Costas on one overlap and he played a nice cross in on another. But it just, it looked pointless because Diaz is just not a centre forward. Like, it'd be different if it was Sadio, who we know can play as centre forward, or 
if it was Jota. But Diaz was trying to drop deep to try and go and find the ball. And then Mo and Darwin were out in, out in the touchlines. And there's just nobody in the middle. So when we did get the ball and look to go, there's just nobody to play the ball into. There's no target in the box. And Darwin's trying to make a break from the one side and Mo's trying to break in from the other. And it's just a mess. But in this, this time, Gordon commits three or four fouls within probably 10 minutes um, and doesn't get booked. The one he, he literally throws himself into Costas with his elbow out. That's, he's trying to hurt him there. He's not trying to do anything else. No, there's, also no got, there's no attempt to play the ball. None. And you've got... Uh, Damari Gray gets... Uh, dives blatantly, and the ref tells him to get up. Book him. The rule says, book him. You've decided it's a, it's a dive. Book him. Like, I don't understand what Anthony Taylor's doing there. And then he books Onana, rightly so, I think, for the tackle on Carvalho. That comes a couple minutes later. But then they're all up in arms. Like, you should have already had two or three yellow cards. Because all you've done, whenever we do get into a good position, all you're doing is fouling. You're pulling shirts. You're, you're kicking people late. You're leaving a little bit in on a tackle. And I know you do these things in a derby, but it's the referee's job to stamp that out. And yeah, maybe we're just a bit soft. Maybe that's what it is. We're just a little bit soft in our team. I wonder about that too. And Carl, it's interesting. It's again an interesting segue into the second part of the uh, half because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have. Uh, uh, it would have annoyed you, but you couldn't have scolded Everton fans for maybe laying into a chorus of "Where's your famous intensity?" Uh, because it, it does come down to that. Like I know it's an interest. It's, it's it's an it's it's an interesting and unfortunate kind of thing the whole book thing in the background but it is kind of you know again the 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 the, the little stats um from dan the eye test for everybody watching the the points that dave is making there about maybe a lack of um a bit of bastard in the team a bit of a bit of fight a bit of hardness the second chunk of this half we do actually have a few reds highlights as Darwin Nunes comes into the game a little bit, but it doesn't start off like that because on 31 minutes, there's a ball into Mope. He kind of miscontrols the ball uh, and uh, Davies strikes one with a sort of a, 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 a stab shot. It's it's nicely executed. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's uh, hit it from right to left and it goes off the outside of Ali's right post. Um, and in that moment, we're all over the show and it's kind of the perfect display of how Everton have more intensity, how they have more directness, how we are vulnerable through most areas of the team. They pick up a yellow. Onana is uh, in late on Fabio. Um, and then on 39, after the free uh, that's, uh, that results from this, the ball breaks to Mo Salah. He floats in an in-swinger um, from that right-hand side to the back post where Darwin Nunes is again. And this time he heads narrowly over again, but it's only narrowly over this time. It's over the top corner area. And on 42 minutes, uh, there are two chances back-to-back. First one is a long ball. I think it's Joey Gomez into Darwin. He takes it on his chest really well. He's heading sort of away from the right-hand post. Uh, and he swings back. He lets, lets the ball drop and he swings back a fantastic half volley, which Pickford, sickeningly enough, as he will do several times in the second half, makes a great save, touches it onto the post. Um, Luis Diaz 
who had one of those Sadio Mane performances where Sadio's not great, but he never stops. You can never accuse uh, Luis Diaz or Sadio Mane of lacking intensity. I'll tell you that for nothing. He's still hanging about there. He might not be doing the right things, but he is in this case. He picks up that loose ball that comes from the rebound. He takes it back across the face of goal and drives one towards the right-hand corner. He hits the inside of the post and it bounces back across um and you're sort of going oh god uh decent work then by Fabinho and Simicus to lead to a corner 44 minutes nothing comes of that and then the last kind of highlights um by us are three defensive pieces of work which kind of tells you all you need to know about how we ended the half first Joe Gomez is very good versus uh, Anthony Gordon who is leading a counter-attack and by the way we were always open to a counter-attack that needs to fi- be fixed. Then there was great cover by Trent on Mopay on 46 minutes, a piece of decent defensive work by him sweeping in from uh, his right back situation across the goal. And then other uh, another piece of good work by Darwin Nunes, of all people, um, on 47 minutes. So that's quite revealing in and of itself. Talk to me about how you felt that second half of the, of the first half went. Not that good, to be honest. I mean, again, we had a lot of the ball and a few like moments of almost doing stuff. But basically, up until that point where we hit the post or we hit the bar and the post in, in a very short period of time, we've just gone back and had a look at the numbers because I, I, I didn't really like it. Like there were a few bits that we did and looked okay. And we, you know, the first few minutes of the match, we had a, a couple of good openings and that kind of thing. But right up until that minute, the fortieth or forty-first minute, I'm not sure. Everton, now we've obviously had loads more possession than them. We had over two-thirds of the ball up until that period of the first half. But Everton have won more aerials. Everton have won more tackles. Everton have had more shots. Everton have had, in fact, twice the number of shots that we have had. They've had the only shot of the game on target up to that point, And they've hit the woodwork as well, which is not counting as an on-target one. Um, we're not doing enough here to make things happen. Like Even creating corners we're not getting like overloads down the flanks like we previously would have done and forcing corners to happen forcing throw-ins in dangerous areas where we were so good for a while there's just not enough happened there there really isn't there's not enough combination play at all now i can understand that to a point because it is a very very new attack compared to what we've had previously we're now starting with a guy who's had one Premier League start before today, a guy who only came in a few months back, which seems like a long time ago, but in terms of you know getting 50 games together uh, in the way that we had our forwards previously is nowhere near enough at the moment. Uh, and Salah is playing a completely different role. And then when you add in the two H behind them have changed, you can understand that the build-up play and the combinations are not going to be as fluid, as impressive, as consistently generating chances. But that is just makes it even more important that all the rest of the game comes together, that the pressing is really, really intense, that there's speed and that there's running in behind, that there is cohesion in when we press in little groups where we would normally do it in either twos or threes and sometimes even more than that. There would be clusters closing in on the player on the ball, the player who could most easily receive the ball and then the the other out ball. So then you either force the person on the ball to make a bad decision, go all the way back to the goalkeeper or go long and we get it back to our centre-backs. None of that stuff is happening right now. Not with any consistency, not with any real effectiveness either. So yeah, we finished the half with a little bit of flurry. Uh, I will quickly point out that in the millisecond of chesting the ball down and turning to volley until the moment that it struck the crossbar, I expect every single Liverpool supporter must have thought to themselves, Fernando Torres against Blackburn because it was pretty much spot on for that. Um, 
really disappointed that we didn't score there. It's, you know, it felt like one of those 10 seconds of play. Like, oh my God, how have, we, how have we not scored? We deserve to be in front. But really, I don't think we did. I really don't. We, you know, we had a really good moment there and a couple of instances otherwise where we could have scored a goal. But they had their own one exactly the same with Davies one off the post. The counter-attacks that you're talking about there that we had to defend against so often were just really frustrating. Again, I think a lot of that is born out of uh, quite a poor setup in the in the midfield as compared to normal. There are a couple of corners throughout the game that we took that ended in chances for them, which are normally the other way around, obviously, in previous seasons. We did okay against them in the most part, but I just don't like the way it's set up at the minute. You know, we're ending up with Mo Salah in our six-yard box doing very, very important work, but not once in their six-yard box doing important work. It's just not way at the minute at all. I agree completely uh, on all counts to be fair uh, it's interesting actually a couple of points you make and we'll uh, we're, me and Dave will take up the second half now but just to, to, to kind of qualify them yeah you're, you're absolutely right of course the first half stats uh, and eye test favours Everton immensely because it did uh, and then you can see the final um, uh, statistics of the match and it speaks to an improvement in the second half We'll talk about whether or not that was the case. But another thing, interestingly enough, Dave, you won't be surprised to hear this. The manager, when it was put to him in his post-match presser there, reckons he was asked, is Mo Salah playing um, uh, too wide or wider than, than, than he had before? Uh, uh, no more than other seasons, says uh, Jürgen. Um, so <laughs> no, no, no shock there, <laughs> I guess, to be fair. No, Jürgen's mouth was moving, so lies were coming out. That's, <laughs> that seems to be the basically Jürgen's approach to dealing with any and all media questions. Yeah. Because in fairness, I, not, I, one I, of them has, not one of them has the the gravitas to say, well, that's not true because like none of them can do that because they're all terrified of having their access pulled. So exactly. And and is there a better example of that than when recently he was asked about the Nabi Keda situation and he said it's a muscle. Not one person there says, What do you mean? What muscle is yeah. it? How long will it be? No. And then he said, that. We don't know. How do you not know it was three weeks ago? Yeah, we don't know. Come on. Come on. Bullshit. Like absolute bullshit. And like You'd love if there was just somebody there, like a national reporter, like, I don't know, Henry Winter or Daniel Taylor or Paul Hayward or somebody there. Someone who doesn't need access to Liverpool because they don't cover Liverpool on a regular basis, but just happened to be at a game. And one of them would put it up to him, but none of them will. No, Not one of them will call a manager out on anything for whatever reason. And it's not just Klopp. It's, it's managers across the board. It's a failure of journalists in England because there used to be journalists that were big enough and brave enough. Like Paddy Barkley, there's a lot you could say about him, but back when Paddy Barkley was at the pinnacle of journalism in the UK, he wasn't afraid to call managers out. He used to have Barneys with Ferguson because Ferguson would say something and he'd just correct him and say, well, that's not the case. This is what actually happened. And the two of them would have arguments in press conferences. But Ferguson respected him. I don't know that the manager respects any of these media people, and I don't know that he should because none of them will question anything that's said to them. They will literally swallow everything he says whole and then report it as fact, even though they know themselves it's not true. Everybody who's watched us play this season can tell you that Salah is playing much wider than normal and staying much wider than normal. Everybody. So for Klopp to say that is just nonsense. 
That's why I don't blame him for talking shit to the media yeah. because he get he gets away with it. So why wouldn't he? So just a quick take from you on the substitution before we get into the details of the match. Bobby Firmino coming on for, for um, Fabio Carvalho. Obviously, the most likely man to go off was Carvalho. He was the least effective of our footballers in the first half. And he picked up that knock said. as well. Um, yes. So Klopp, uh, what Klopp did you make of that change? Well, Klopp says the knock isn't serious, so he's probably going to be out for two months now. Um, yeah. I I liked the idea of moving to four two three one. I didn't like the execution of it because Harvey Elliott in the midfield too. Like, was that really going to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish? You're very much neutering him by doing that, and he doesn't have the skill set to make that an effective position for himself. So he's going to go wandering forward, and again, you just left with Fabinho playing in midfield by himself. Now, Bobby, I did think when he came on, picked up some really clever positions, but I also thought there was a noticeable sort of drop in Everton's aggression in the first 15 minutes of the second half. I thought they were a little bit flat when they came out. Obviously, they put in a massive shift first half, and they just seemed to come out a little bit flat, so we were able to take a bit more of a, of an impetus in the game, and... We created a couple of half chances, but again, similar problems. You know, now Salah is playing as a winger in a four-two-three-one, so he has to stay even even wider. And now he's playing a bit deeper as well. Diaz, I thought, looked more comfortable in that role, and I thought him and Costas really started to link well. And those two and Bobby were starting to buzz about a bit, but then it just all went to shit when he made the next set of subs. Nobody wants to say it either, and I'll just say it. Nobody has to comment on it. But, you know, I do agree about, you know, where Mo Salah is on the pitch and all the rest of it because it's fact. I do, however, think that the lad is not playing like himself at all. And that's an issue for us because, you know, we're not exactly that wealthy in terms of prime right. talent. Um, but if we're being honest, Trev, Mo hasn't been playing like himself since he came back from the AFCON. A hundred percent. It's 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 absolutely traceable back to that point. Um because up until then, you know, he was he was top two or three in the world in terms of performances. The fall off has been quite spectacular and there was a whole half season of people saying, uh Look at the statistics. And I'm saying, yeah, absolutely. I am I have great respect for people who are statisticians and, and, and analysts. But you know, I'm not I'm not a slouch when it comes to looking at the game myself. And he was not the man who he had been before. He was not a fraction of it. And and now in this new season, we've only seen a few little glimpses of what Mo Salah should be, what he what he's capable of doing. And it's it's immensely frustrating. It adds to the package. Anyway, Bobby Firmino does come on for Fabio Carvalho at the halftime break. We have an opportunity where uh, Luis Diaz put, uh, pulls the ball back on 46 minutes to Darwin Nunes, who fluffs his lines and hits a kind of a, a total scuffed shot on 48 minutes. Harvey Elliott drove one across the goal. And then Simicus uh, came onto it and drove one high the opposite direction. Um, we're starting in the right way, at least. There's a corner there that amounted to nothing. 53, the ball dropped to Darwin Nunes. He had a bit of a snap volley. It's good technique, actually. It's a well-executed uh, well volley. Unfortunately, it's low and straight at Pickford. And then they come back into a little bit. Iwobi has a bit of a snap half volley from distance. It's well wide. Uh, and it would have been a wonder goal. Nothing really you can blame too much. I don't think um, the Liverpool uh, defence or midfield about Patterson um, 
is a bit of a silly billy on 57 minutes, gives us a corner. We get nothing from it. But Virgil is looking dominant in the air in these corners, so you're getting hopeful. Uh, 60 minutes, however, Gordon drives at the goal. He pulls it back. He goes out for a corner, and that corner is driven straight out from the left to the right. And 60 minutes, they bring on Idrissa Gay, who's a decent substitute to have to take off your bench for Davies. Um after that, there's a long ball into Gordon. Again, he pulls it back. This time it's for Patterson. Patterson's drive is deflected away from goal where it was headed and out for a corner. On 63 minutes, there's a long ball up as far as Darwin Nunes. His pass to Bobby Firmino um, is decent. It's a sort of a knockdown. And Bobby's hit is excellent. It's going to the corner first time, but it's really well saved again by Pickford. God help us all. Um from that corner another effort by Bobby Firmino it's a header this time stopped again by the keeper um, then off the next corner the ball falls to Fabinho big save from the keeper again now you'd have to say at this stage it's looking very likely the Reds are going to break through on 64 minutes however the game swings the bloody other way because one of their counter attacks which it's so easy for them to do ends with them breaking the ball is laid back to Mopey but Allison stands up and Mopé's execution of the shot is poor. It's a good save, but, you know, he should do better. And we're going to f- pause it here at this point. Um, and I can't remember. I think it's I think it's Dave I'm going to hear. Just forgive me if I've got this wrong. Um, on 68 minutes uh, where they have the ball in the net. Uh, from Connor Cody, who was very delighted with himself, notably for a, for a red. Uh, Mopé... Uh, Places, puts puts the ball across the face of goal. Cody is at the back post. It took VAR an absolute age to decide that he was offside. He looked clearly offside when um, when put in uh, in comparison to the defenders, but apparently it was Jimmy Milner's outstretched foot that they were trying to do the sums against. Anyway, it's another slap in the chops, and it shows Dave that for all the um, you know huff and bluster that we had up the far end without any um, uh, sharp end uh, product, we're open all the time, man. Every single time they go direct, we're open, and we're lucky there not to be a goal down. And we should probably, on the balance of play, be a goal down. Well, what do you expect when you bring on someone's granddad? Like I understand Trent was was poor. There's no question Trent was awful today and has been this season. But James Milner has no business playing in a Premier League football match. He's not good enough. He hasn't been good enough for years in positions that he can play, let alone right back. And you're bringing him on against Damari Gray. And as soon as he came on, you could see Frank Lampard's eyes light up. And all Everton did was funnel the ball out to their left to run at him. He'd been on the pitch about 45 seconds and he got skinned in about two yards in his own box. Then he goes charging up the field for God knows what reason and throws himself on the ground, leading to their counter-attack. A couple minutes later, again, he half commits to a ball that he's never going to get to and he gets skinned. He got skinned like four times in the... 15 minutes or 20 minutes, however long he was at right back. He was awful. And we might as well have been playing with 10 men. As I said to you earlier, the move there, if you want Trent off the pitch, fine. Stick Gomez to right back and bring Matip on at centre back. As it was, because Milner was so terrible, you had to make that sub anyway. 
So you've just wasted one of your five substitutions. And you've wasted the opportunity to get on the only midfielder in your match day squad with a hint of an ability to control a football match. Because he's now left stud or sitting on the bench kicking his heels while James Milner's running around doing a bad impression of a footballer. That's why we ended up being so open. And he's fast asleep on that goal. Fast asleep. There's no way that ball reaches Mopey with anyone who knows how to play fullback in that position or anyone that's not 37 years of age and can actually move on the pitch. Now, I don't know how Connor Cody thought that goal was going to count. I don't know how it took so long. Darren England, that's why. Darren England. Shambles. The, it, it, the, the linesman should have been flagging that. He's clearly offside. It, it's it's Darren England. The lad is an incompetent boob. And he's like, always, you know. The thing is, I was watching the game on, on the USA Network, right, with Andy Townsend, who we have a fondness for because he captained our national team for years. But he is an, an absolutely abysmal co-commentator. He's hopeless. And he was like, oh, it looks like he's onside there. No, he looks like he's onside. He's in line with Milner's foot. Milner's foot isn't the line. The ball is the line. He's clearly ahead of the ball. It doesn't matter if James Milner gets a touch on it. Because Milner's not attempting to play the ball. He's attempting to block the ball. So once Connor Cody is clearly in front of the ball, he is offside. Because our defenders are all the other side of him. and. Andy Townsend, oh, it's close. It's it's inches in it. He was a foot and a half offside. Like and when yet, they put the lines out, it wasn't even close. And yet, minutes passed as Darren England sucked his lollipop and wondered what was going on. It's 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 bananas. Shocking, absolutely shocking stuff. And Connor Cody, like for you have to love it. Like the fella's been a season ticket holder at Anfield for years and talked about how he used to go to Anfield with a bunch of members of his family and as soon as he signs for Everton oh well no actually most of my family are actually Evertonians and he's celebrating like and he celebrates like that and I'm absolutely delighted for him when the goal was disallowed absolutely delighted because he's another one that fits right in now he's he doesn't seem like a prick he seems like a decent sort but he's clearly got a bit of an issue with you know telling the truth but like he's shit enough to play for Everton so congrats to him well I'll I think just finish out the match with Carl and I'll come back to you for your wrap up thoughts and then we'll finish out the, the show with Carl's uh, at this point that was 68 minutes Carl when they had the ball in the net and eventually uh, the uh, geniuses in um, the uh, tactics truck or wherever the hell they're parked or uh, wherever they're looking at their screens decided that yes okay we'll give that as offside which it clearly freaking is um, Tarkovsky goes in studs up on Darwin Nunes and literally nothing happens that's interesting because that we'll come back to that later. There is a yellow for Virgil, um, who uh, comes in late on Onana. He is over the top as well, uh, as was Tarkovsky seconds ago. Um, 78 minutes, Joel and Jota come on for Darwin and Harvey. I think, to be fair, that's a very good point Dave makes that, you know, the Joel Matip substitution only, like, I mean, it's it was the obvious one to make at the start. It's just... 
again, it's symptomatic, I think. And maybe I'm reading too much into this of, 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 of the general malaise that, you know, a manager as wonderful as ours is sort of making these calls and getting this kind of thing. Did we say it wrong? Um, anyway, it is Matip and Jota. Nice, nice to see Jota on the pitch. I'll, I'll just say that as a, a, a token positive thing. Um, uh, for Harvey Elliott and Darwin Nunez, 82 minutes. They bring on McNeil for Gordon. Um, watch this space because within one minute, Allison needs to make a really good save. Uh, because McNeil cuts in from that right inside onto his left foot. It's a curled effort. And there are not one but two deflections via Virgil and Milner, uh, which Ali has to keep an eye on. Uh, he does. He adjusts his feet beautifully and tips the ball uh, away from danger. It's a great save. 86 minutes. Um, it, it is a nice ball uh, in from Al Salah. Um, Bobby Firmino swept one goal word, but it's saved again by uh, the man with the smallest arms in football. Uh, who was the man of the match, by the way, for BT, because he did make several high-profile saves, if we're being perfectly honest. Six minutes were added, and you wanted to be hopeful, based on the evidence of the last outing. Um, But all that really happened was that on 92 minutes, Fabinho picked up a yellow card, and on 95 minutes, there was a great chance uh, of sorts. A lovely flowing move, which basically found uh, Mo Salah at the back post, hitting the post and then hitting a follow-up shot wide of that same post, the right-hand post, as we attack. Uh, that's about it, Carl. I don't know if there's anything you want to zero in on in particular or if you want to just sum up um, your thoughts about the second half rather than that period. I'll leave it up to you. Uh, I would go first of all to the, the, the subs at full-back again. I mean, leaving aside who should come on and who you switch around and all the rest of it, I thought in that 15 minutes before he went off was probably the most impact Simicas had. It felt a little bit like that change was made for the sake of making the change because, you know, Robertson's come off for Simicas in most of the games beforehand and this time we had to do it the other way around. But he was actually just starting. He's had a bit of a shaky start and then I thought he got better in the first half defensively. And in that period of the second half, I thought he was starting to overlap a lot better. He was getting into a few more dangerous areas, a couple of cutbacks. So I was a bit surprised that he went off then, to be honest. Less so trained because he is in not good form, let's say, at the moment. It's it's quite something when your most dangerous creative outlet most seasons has taken off two games in a row when you need goals. Um, that kind of tells you where Trent is at the minute. Um, the end of the match, Salah, big chance, almost as though we should be trying to get him in the box into those sorts of areas a little bit more. Um a lot of this was frustrating, let's be perfectly honest. A lot of this just looked like it wasn't going to happen. There were a couple of good Firmino moments, good saves, like you mentioned, but none of them were outrageous stops. I think probably the best save was maybe Alison tipping the deflected over over the bar, something like that. Um, I don't know. It was the most saves that Pickford has made in the Premier League match where he hasn't conceded a goal. Let's Let's leave it at that. So, yes, we had a lot of moments and we had a lot of unfortunate uh, efforts which were saved but we needed to do more I just didn't like the way that we were in the build-up play in the final third the movement off the ball and that continued right up to the end of the game uh, until it was very open and people out of position in those final minutes so overall nothing but disappointment from this game to be brutally honest hard to argue it's hard to see how we uh, we uh, address this uh, 
as quickly as needs be because the saving grace for the season, as far as I'm concerned now, is going to be all on the Champions League. It's not to write the league off. Nobody's doing that. Like So if you're sitting there screaming at your, at your device, just breathe. Nobody's saying it's all over. We're talking about likelihoods now and just, you know, you have to you have to be honest. There's no point in living in cloud cuckoo land either. So now the, the, the emphasis of the season is very, very much on the Champions League as the big objective. And what certainly is, as far as, far as I think most sensible people are concerned, uh, we've got a big ask uh, in midweek against a good team in their backyard with a, a hell of an atmosphere. So that will be interesting, to say the least. Uh, Dave, let's get your wrap-up thoughts on that. And maybe if you want to fold in um, any suggestions you might have for what we do on Wednesday night against Napoli uh, and do of course finish with uh, any wee plugs you have um, I don't even know like just a shit show from start to finish I, Klopp got like I said I think he got every big decision he had to make wrong today and some of them were so blindingly obviously wrong like even when he brought on Jota I don't know what the plan was because Jota was playing left wing as much as he was playing through the middle. And it, it didn't work. And he had a couple of opportunities where he could have made something happen and his touch was off. Now, the fellow's only been training for a couple of days, having missed most of pre-season and all of the start of the season so far. So you can't really criticise Jota too much. But this decision to bring him on just seemed like an odd one. Darwin was involved. He was having some good chances and the partnership with him and Bobby was causing them a few problems. So I don't really understand that one. Didn't understand the Milner one that he had to waste the sub to get Milner out of the defense. And then by doing that, and because he obviously couldn't just take Milner back off because heaven forbid you upset the standard setter, Harvey goes off who can't, couldn't play in that too, but at least offered something with the ball. So ah, look, Jürgen needs to take a long look at himself after that one because he's too good of a manager to be continually sending out that tripe. And if we're getting outrun game after game, there is something wrong. Something has gone wrong if we're getting outrun and we're so visibly lacking any sort of intensity in our game. And he now has to fix it because the league is gone. And everybody just needs to accept that six games into the season, the league is gone. In truth, it was gone after the second game. But it is gone. City are going to wipe the floor with Steven Gerrard's badly managed Aston Villa later on. Arsenal may well beat United tomorrow. If Arsenal win, there'll be nine points clear of us. Don't really care about that. We'll still hold that back. But more importantly, Man City will be seven points clear. And I don't see us holding that back. We just need to focus on getting things right in the league and getting through our Champions League group. And in January, players need to arrive at this football club. The season will stop in mid-November and Julian Ward needs to get his arson gear, tell Jürgen to stand the fuck out of his way, get his arson gear and get players in that door on January 1st so that we can salvage something in the second half of the season, maybe go and try and win the European Cup. Because with this team, this idea of a transitional season is nonsense. Oh, that you don't can have go. a transitional season if you're keeping a 36-year-old at the club. 
Dave, that, that, that whole idea can go and fuck itself. It's, it's so it's so so offensive to people who have followed the club as long as they have, as long as people like but you and I have. It's and only we, coming we have, from one group, Trev. It's well, only coming from the group of super fans. But we've who, an oppor- we've an opportunity now to win fucking everything yeah. against the very best team that's ever be assembled, and we are fucking it away into yeah. a, into a ditch. And it's it's uh, pardon pardon my 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 language, folks, but it's just it's it's. So infuriating. It is. But it's it's only coming from this one group of people who are the same group of people who spent all summer telling us we don't need midfielders. Jurgen doesn't want a midfielder, so I trust the manager. Oh and trust trust the fucking, fucking science. Jesus Christ. All that absolute no. The same midfield that got us ninety plus points into three finals. The same midfield that failed to win the league. The same midfield that cost us the league title last season. The same midfield that didn't show up in the Champions League final because Thiago was hurt and had to play regardless. Fabinho had too much work to do and the other fellow was a no-show. That's the same midfield. I don't care about winning FA Cups and League Cups. I don't care. And the same people are the other ones that also have told us, this is the best team we've ever had, so just enjoy it. It's not the best team we've ever had. And that's massively disrespectful to the history of this club. It's but it massive. could be, but it could be, and but that's where, that's be. that's where the problem is. But it's not. Yeah. Because the best team we ever had won seven league titles and three European Cups, or six league titles and three European Cups in nine years. Exactly. It's nowhere near Paisley's team. Nowhere no. near. Stop talking shit. It's nowhere near Paisley's like, team. But, it could, this, but again, it could have been. It could have been, but they like to hide behind the City excuse. Oh, City's money. We've proven we don't need their money to compete with them. So that's out the window straight away. But Bob Paisley went up against an Aston Villa team that won a league title and a European Cup, against a Nottingham Forest team that won a league title and two European Cups. So don't give me this City shit. There's only one team we need to beat to win the league, and that's been Man City. That team had to go up against animals. Animals back in the day, and it was much harder when they were doing it. The European Cup was harder to get into, and it was harder to win. Because every single team you played was a cha- was a, a winner, a, a league winner, or it was the reigning European Cup holder. Now you can lose potentially four games in a row in the European Cup and still go on and win it. You could win your first three group stage matches, lose your next three, and lose the first round of the knockout phases. Four defeats in a row and still go on and win it. Back then, couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. It was harder then. The travel was harder. They didn't have the luxuries they have now. They didn't have all... They weren't pampered the way they are now. It was much harder back then, and they were doing it. That's the best team we ever had. I don't want to hear it about this team. This was a great team that could have become an all-timer. And through neglect and a lack of investment and a manager who, for all the brilliance he has, is far too loyal to mediocre players. Bob Paisley said it best, let players get old on someone else's payroll. And we've got a bunch of players who've gotten old and gotten a little bit lazy on our payroll. That's Cuddly Uncle Bob, by the way, the man, the cardigan with the egg stains on it. Yeah, Cuddly Uncle Bob, who said, I was here for the bad years as well. We finished second once. There you go. And there's lads out celebrating second. Bill Shankly said, if you're second, you're nothing. Yeah, levels. So for those that like to bring up the fake Shankly quote of, 
that was created on Facebook by some weirdo about 10 years ago of, if you can't support us when we lose or draw, don't support us when we win. As if he would ever say that. This is the same guy that said football wasn't as important as life and death. It was more important. Like The same fella that wouldn't talk to lads who were injured because he yeah. hated because they weren't available. Yeah. What's wrong with you? My knee hurts. What do you mean your knee? That's Liverpool's knee. There you go. I mean, the same guy that stood up and said, I drum it into these players time and again that it's their honour to play for you because it's our club. And these should be honoured to have us, not the other way around. That's not how it works. And the other side of it is the same, you know, weird people trying to go on about transitions, crying in the summer. Oh, people look at the transfer market and they treat players like commodities. They are commodities. They are assets owned by a business. And that is the be-all and the end-all of it. And we're just not ruthless enough as a club. If we were ruthless enough, Bobby, Nabby, Milner, Henderson, Ox, and a couple of others wouldn't be at the club anymore. But they are. And because they're there, the players we need aren't. But January has got to be big. There needs to be a reckoning at the AXA. He needs to have them in training tomorrow. No days off until this gets fixed. Get them in, even if you're sitting in a meeting room, and figure out what is going wrong. Figure out what is going wrong. Let's have open, frank discussions among the playing staff. They're grown men. They've been together for years. I'm sure one or two of them might bristle a little bit if they get criticised. But some of them deserve criticism and Klopp needs to sit them down in a room and figure out what is going wrong because this is unacceptable for this level of talent unacceptable we're currently sitting level on points with the worst Manchester United team in 35 years and they've got a game in hand and they're shit <laughs> we just draw them with Everton oh. and they're shit we had an easy start to the season like, this isn't like we've had the most difficult run of games. Fulham, newly promoted. For, uh, Palace had that horrible pre-season where half the squad was one place and half the other. Uh, United are awful. Bournemouth are newly promoted. Newcastle, yeah, we did well to get the win, but we weren't good. And then Everton, who are a relegation contender. It gets much harder from here, folks. We get Wolves next. They're good. We get Chelsea. We get Brighton. We get Arsenal. We get City. We get West Ham. Like, our next run of league games is so much harder than what we've just been through. The next six are so much harder. And we've got four European Cup games dotted in between them. Which is why I'm not looking any further than Napoli. So let's, let's get, let's get, the, let's get the, the take on what's coming from yourself. Oh, yeah, I'll be back with two-footed this week. The Daily Red may well be the Daily Rage on Monday, but the Daily Red will be back from Tuesday onwards. And... Um, I'm sure we'll do scouted at some point, and I'll be doing the the usual two part four hour transfer window review with Kevin DeVries is currently dotted in to be recorded on Thursday night, so it'll be out Friday or Saturday uh, for the first part, and then the following part, the second part, a couple of days after that. I have a feeling there might be an article coming in the next while as well if that if that last uh, couple of minutes is anything to go by. So keep an eye out for all of that stuff from Dave, folks. And Carl, uh, take us home, man. What are your final uh, sum up thoughts and, and 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 let us know again what's what's on the on the menu for the week. 
Yeah, well, I'm off in a minute to go and watch Napoli and see what kind of a game we're in store for in midweek. So, yes, we'll be doing Scouted on that. Um, probably tomorrow, I guess. No, Monday, sorry. Um, that will be out anyway. Loads of stuff on the closure of the transfer window, things that happen around Europe if people want to go back and make sure they haven't missed anything uh, and what to expect off those few new players who have come into the Premier League on deadline day from overseas, not including returning faces like Aubameyang and stuff. Um, what else? Probably lots of annoyance on Twitter, to be perfectly honest, because I don't like this game at all. I, I don't like draws at the best of times. I don't like draws when you could have done an awful lot more. And good God, we could have done a hell of a lot more today. This this has to stop. It's really, really been poor. Uh, I made mention of the points that we've dropped already at the start of the season, and you know, we've we've now taken nine from six matches in the Premier League. It's nowhere near the the rate that we need to be clocking up things for any kind of achievements. Never mind winning the title or not winning the title. It's that's not good enough for anything at all. So a lot has to has to be fixed at this point and it needs to be done very, very quickly. I will just finish with just one tweet from Andrew Beasley, who's good with the numbers, who has listed the uh, minutes in each game so far this season that Liverpool have been ahead for, not even winning games, just ahead for. Uh, zero, 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 87, 10 seconds and zero. Jesus. <laughs> oh, these takers have worn off, lads. Oh, God. Wow, that is that is that's actually quite viscerally shocking, and uh, it's actually you know what an appropriate way to end this particular show. Uh, we will be hoping that things come back full circle and get back on track, and all those other cliches. It will be the three of us again with you for Raw uh, on Wednesday night when Liverpool take on Napoli. So do come back to us for that. Hopefully it'll be a tremendously different occasion and the Reds can at least have a season in that competition if nowhere else. Uh, but we will keep positive uh, in terms of the whole thing turning around. And in the interim, do stay with us on the channel. Lots of incredible content. Uh, none more so than from the two gentlemen here, Dave Hendrick and Carol Matchett. I've been Trev Downing. This is Raw. We'll speak to you Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.